it was somebody that called. Yeah, it was a call came through. I was trying to end the call and keep talking, but that didn't work out. <laughs> but uh, it's not yeah, like yeah, yeah. So, there's a, a a dead end business podcast coming. That's what it sounds mm, like. Um, people have asked for it. People have asked for one about around trading, which I I have mm-hmm. created a brand for that. Um, I just haven't put out anything yet. I've recorded like an episode or two. Um, but I want to build like this whole community around black people getting into the stock market and stuff like that. So, um, I just been busy with so much other stuff that I haven't got a chance to, to put it out, but, um, but I will, cause I'm, I'm really, uh, slacking there. Um, Robin hood snacks is another one. That's snacks they, they is really, really good. good. Yeah, yeah, man. They, they are really, really good. I often um, listen to Snacks mm-hmm. Daily and I'm wondering like how much do they practice that? Because they I don't know. are I've been like trying to figure that out too. Dude, they are like in and out. It's like Styles and, and Jada Kiss, dude. Like they they mm-hmm. go in and it's it's amazing to me. I listen yep. to that every day, if not even by interest it is, but just fascinated by how good they are together. Mm-hmm. Um with I ain't gonna keep saying what that being said, but there's always so much I want to ask you about as far as the branding and, and what you guys have built up over the years. I know that uh, we just were talking about the stocks here recently in the headlines. I saw something where they were talking about how more black people are in the market now, more black people are uh, invested and in, in, into that type of Thing with money but also it says black spending is as high as it's ever been what is it any did you see that report today i seen it as like an alert that came through to my phone i just wanted some what you thought about that being in the market i did not see that um that is interesting so i do believe and have seen more black people getting into the space um, but a lot of the places that I hang out, I don't see a lot of us. So I don't know where they are hanging out, um, you know, to, to learn. The, the exact so headline I would says, love to see where they got that, 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 that data from. So it, it was on CNBC on, uh, it said black spending power is up. It says black spending power hits a record level, but black net worth decreases. Yeah, because we're spending it all. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, man, that that that's crazy. I, I don't think that that's honestly anything to brag about. No, that, not at all. Yeah, that we, you know, our spending is up. Because where is that money going? Is it going back to our neighborhoods? Is it going back to black businesses? Or is it going into the hands of you know the the white the white businesses that do you, you know don't do much for us? Do you think? It's a, it's a case where a lot of black people are spending it because they don't know what else to do with it. Like they're no. not as educated in the market. They're not as, they don't know how to make it grow. So they just go buy Gucci or go buy whatever it may be. You don't think that's it? No, I don't think that's it. I do think there's a lack of uh, financial education in, mm-hmm. in the community. I think that'll change over time, but I think we're, you know, been sold a bill of goods. I think that mm-hmm. people, or black people through our own community and stuff, you know, we want what we couldn't have and we get a certain type of money. We want to go get it and plot it and show it out. And it don't really mean shit at the end of the day. Um, and I think this black spending power thing 
I'm starting. I, I forgot the name of the book. Uh, who wrote it? But it's I, and I believe him. Uh, well, I won't say I believe him. I'm just reading and trying to you know decipher his his points. But it's a mm-hmm. con game. You know, it's mm-hmm. they're making you think that it's a good thing that we have all of this this power in the world spending and that people should pay attention to us because we're we're spending our money. But at the end of the day, with capitalism, they don't care about any of that shit. So, um, so, and, and we're spending it in ways that don't, that's, that's not worthwhile. So I, yeah, it's, it's, it's all a big, big hustle, man. You got to watch these, these headlines that they put out. Media is used to manipulate people all the time. Yes. And if you follow the patterns and watch the patterns of media to tell you what, what they want you to know and, and what's kind of behind the scenes. Right. I agree with that 100%. And that reminds me of the, my appearance on is the mic still on when you and I were on an island by ourselves and defending mm. Ice Cube and uh, mm-hmm. against Joe Biden coming almost full circle. Now Joe Biden has won the election. This was prior to we can say we were right, but I want to know <laughs> how you feel about it revisiting it now. Um, and give the people some detail, a little bit of what I mean. Well, yeah, so Biden ain't doing shit um, <laughs> as as expected, man. Black people once again got conned into putting a guy in office um, under the fear of white supremacy. Um, racism. That, and racism, yeah, that's still here to this day um, with him in office. So where did that get us? Um, but yeah, it was really about us saying, hey, well, with Ice Cube, Ice Cube wanted to go to the White House and talk to Biden about his plan. He met with Trump, Biden pushed him to the side and was like, yo, we'll holler at you after the election. I think there were or maybe some meetings that took place, um, but nothing substantial. I, 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 and I think that took a minute uh, for that to happen, but I don't, I don't, clearly nothing came out of it. I think Cube kind of scoffed it off as he thought it would be. It was just like a an appeasal meeting. I already yeah. won now. Like, why do I need you? Essentially, he said, was the tone of the meeting. So what he knew was going to happen. And that, again, that's what we sit there and say. It is like there was so much put into, oh, we have to defeat this enemy on the other side that coming to the table and asking for something should be put on the back burner. And I don't think that's ever true especially for us as black people and, and, you know, coming to the table and being like, well, this is what we want. And I think it's going to play here too. I think what they're doing now, and I love to hear your insight on this with the whole Supreme court judge. (laughs) Like it's cool that Joe Biden is going to elect a black woman as a Supreme court judge. That's fantastic. I love it. I appreciate it. But my fear is, when election time rolls around again, he's going to say, see, look what I did. I'm the only person ever to put a black mm-hmm. Supreme court judge woman in the, uh, on the Supreme court seat, but I didn't pay attention to anything else that you wanted. I didn't listen to anything else that you wanted. I just did this as something, a, a symbolism tokenism or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. Do you see it going that way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he put it out there. So he has to do it. If you don't do it, by the know, he won't get elected. Yeah, it's really that simple. Nothing else would come out come about it out, out outside of that. It benefits him. It don't really benefit us. We have a black person on the fucking Supreme Court. <laughs> Clarence Thomas has been there. So for all years. you're doing is putting in that another black 
right. And she's a woman. So what I think the thing is, we got to really like pay attention to what she votes for. Um, As crazy as it's going to sound, maybe even who she's married to, you know, Mm. those sort of things I think really matter, man. Like, is is this going to be a black Supreme Court justice with a black nuclear family? Mm. Or is it going to be mixed? Um, You know, for a lot of people, that won't matter. For some people, they say, why does that matter? Um, I think it, it's, it, you know, it, it says things um, to me, um, to others, they don't disagree. But yeah, it's just going to be something else, man. It's just another tokenism, I think is an accurate word. Um, you know, we're not going to get anything out of it. We still, it's still a 6-3 court. So yes. yeah, it's, it's, it's look, look, just like Kamala. It looks cute. It's great. But it's where's big, all yeah. this other shit? Where where where's the fucking student loan shit you promised? How about that? Clear out. Absolutely. Yeah, all this and, other shit that you're saying. That you and it was the do. same thing. And I think that was one of the points that I was trying to get across on this to Mike Stallone. If you if you let in Biden's case and Cube's case, if you let him say, Well, just give me a second and let me wait, then he's gonna just keep doing that. He's gonna do that with every issue. He's going to do that with the mm-hmm. student loan issue. Every issue that comes up, well, just give me a second or let me get elected first. And then nothing ever actually gets, you know, what we, we never get the thing that we're actually asking for. It keeps getting put on the back burner and put on the back burner. So that was one of the fears that I had of this administration. And it's proven true, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going to a lighter subject, getting into music. Um, what do you like more doing, sports or hip hop? Is there one that sticks out more or are they like equally the same for you? Uh, they're about equally the same. Really? I think that I prefer talking sports more. I don't really get to do it as much on the On Deck TV podcast, but I do prefer talking sports more. I think just because I'm more invested in it now. As I've gotten mm-hmm. older with music, one of the things that I found with music is just I'm not as excited about it anymore. And that happened after, during the pandemic. Like I used to in mm-hmm. my commutes and things, I want to listen to stuff in the car or stay up and listen to stuff got off. But now I just find myself mostly it's books, it's watching sports or audible books or podcasts, but music is just, I have to, it's something that I've been listening to, or I have to really, really be interested in it. Has that changed for you during the pandemic? No, it didn't. It kind of went in the opposite, but I think part of it was the 365 challenge we uh, Raphael and I did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, list reviewing that album a day I was able to yes. kind of rediscover a love for for music and not just hip-hop and I think that's the difference um you know in in my and how I feel now versus what I was feeling back then because there's a lot of new jazz indie R&B artists that are out there that are really dope that get me excited um mm. you know like Cleo Soul and um uh, what's yeah Salt that people have been trying to put me on uh Brent Fire's latest project. So I'm like, man, there's some really interesting stuff that's going on. Hip hop is still kind of more the same. Um, but if I'm not talking hip hop, I think if I'm talking about stuff like that, yeah, it's you know, I, I could sit there and talk about it all day. And I've been listening to a lot of I've actually been going Batman and listen to a lot of uh like 70s stuff and 80s stuff, mm. cameo, brass construction, uh blue magic, just kind of going through the their discographies. And it's kind of really interesting listening to that stuff, listening to cameo rap, you know, on, on their albums <laughs> and brass construction, but stuff like that, man. Yeah, it's kind of dope. What made you back. go back to that era? Uh, 
Um, I think part of it is that uh, that is kind of what I like the most is that sound of music. Um, you know, just uh, something on my play on on my iTunes that was like an unplayed artist. So I was like, oh, let me listen to this and clear it because I'm kind of anal. I want to get you know, I hate when stuff is unplayed. And I got a lot of shit that's unplayed, and I just kind of went went down a rabbit hole. But there was a time where I would go on Wikipedia, go to like 1964 in music, and I would listen to every single album that was dropped by month. So in month, it'll say it, you know put all the albums that dropped. And um, and I started with the fifties as far back as it went, and um, and I kind of got away from that. So I kind of was trying to pick that back up and just listen to how music evolved. Um, just studying music, the commercialism of it back then, the the black versus whiteness of it back then. You know, white people stealing black people sound and black people trying mm-hmm. to emulate white people sound to get on. It's really fascinating when you really go back and just read the different things that took place back then with some of those albums and just their process. So, um, so yeah, so I had a bunch of stuff that's just sitting in my library that I haven't listened to, you know, and that, that I needed to get around to. So that that's kind of part of it, too. I, I know for me, you said something key when you were talking about hip hop is more the same. I think that's the thing for me. It's, that's what's not mm-hmm. exciting because everything seems like, and I don't know if it's because I've gotten older, or just everybody's mimicking one another. There's not a lot of passion in it. And that's what makes me like J. Cole so much right now. It seems like he's one of the few dudes that like care. And I know mm-hmm. that Benny verse just dropped not too long ago. Um, and it just seemed like like he wants to be the number one rapper. And in the era that I grew up in, that's what people wanted. Like Jay-Z wanted to be that. Nas wanted to be that. Pac mm-hmm. wanted to be the best. Big wanted to be the best. Nowadays, everybody just wants, it seems to be cool or to be rich. And that's the thing. Mm-hmm. If I'm rich or I'm cool, then it don't matter. You just listen to what I'm saying. And I just didn't come up yeah. with that type of music. Nah, uh, neither did I. But, you know, I think the documentation part of it, I think, is is interesting, which is why, you know, with Dan and we, we're going to do different things now. I think mm-hmm. reviewing albums for 10, 11 years is cool. It's fun. We got that locked down. But I think there's a lot more we can offer. Um, just as elder statesmen in the game. And, um, you know, it's, it's just the time for a rebrand and a refresh, which I'm really excited about. But, you know, and an expansion as well, which is why we jumped into movies and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think, you know, with Dead and Hip Hop, at this point, there are people reviewing music and can tell you what they think. Most of the people that listen to us know what they, they think about it anyway. So it's like, okay, well, what can we do now? What's next? So, so what is that? Mm-hmm. If you care to share a little bit of it, if it's not peeking too much behind the curtain, what is that for Daddy? Um, I think we're doing live. Show. Well, this is you know people can see this. We're actually doing a live show every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last year I was telling them I was like live streaming is a new podcasting, yeah. and you if you kind of pay attention to what's going on, you know, it, you can see that. People are going on IG Live, Twitch Live, um, YouTube Live, everybody, Twitter Live, Twitter Spaces is a version of Live Clubhouse. You know, all that's like a version of Live. So I think that, um, which is why we started doing a live show once a month. And I think we just doubled down on that this this year. So um, that's the biggest thing that we're doing now. 
we had a content meeting, you know, about doing more daily content, putting out more stuff um, from us. So kind of taking the dead end 365 idea and expanding it. We're doing that with sports now as well. So we do put in our video day on sports. And um, and that's been a lot of fun and very reinvigorating and people love it. In addition to doing two live shows, you know, a week on on that show, which we've been doing regularly since last year. Um, so yeah, and I want to bring that to Dead and Hip Hop. I think that would be dope if we did that. So we do our um in our, in our rotation mm-hmm. series now, where it allows us to talk about the music without actually reviewing the music, and once again, kind of getting that back to that point where we're putting people on the artists, or we're listening to stuff that we're not gonna review maybe because of the side of the artist maybe because it may not be a right decision at this time because of where we need to invest our resources so that sort of thing i can't wait to hear that dead end snacks daily version of hip-hop when y'all was doing the daily Man. music version of that i can't wait to hear that but yeah, yeah that's a would, great feeling crazy. That is a great feeling as, as someone who does this too. Uh, when someone will come to you, be like, man, I never heard of this artist until I heard you guys talking about it. And that is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I know for us, a lot of that was Nipsey uh, before he passed. Mm-hmm. And, well, even after he passed and we dedicated episodes to him or whatnot. And, and people were saying like, I wouldn't even heard of him if you guys weren't talking about it with the crypto and the hundred dollar album and these things. So that is a great part of it. What's your favorite part about content creation? Mm, um... I think the idea part coming up with an idea, putting it out there and it working. It's I think a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to do and to create something successful. And I didn't really think about it until I saw a tweet that somebody had sent us where they were like, man, you know, I've been listening to you guys, blah, 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 blah. He said, it was like, you guys put out, it's one thing to create something. It's another thing, and I'm paraphrasing, to create another thing and another thing, and they all hit. Mm. And then kind of you think about the Jay-Z line, well, shit, if you created Jay-Z, go create another Jay-Z. Create another one. And to a certain degree, that's that's what, you know, we've been able to do. You know, partnering with people and taking those ideas and sitting down and mapping them out, brainstorming, saying, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And just being really creative in, in our approach and just growing it from the ground up. <laughs> That's what I love the most, man. And being able to identify trends and see trends and be like, yo, this is what space where we need to go. And um, and being some being being first there. You know, we 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 were slow to a lot of things, unfortunately, the last five years. We were slow to adopt podcasts, and then I knew it was on the way because I listened to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. We were uh we didn't do TikTok the way we should have did TikTok. I think we missed out on a golden opportunity there. So now moving forward, it's like, no, we're not missing those opportunities anymore, even if I have to do it myself, because I understand that this is where these opportunities are. And it allows us to kind of expand and grow our our wings and to create micro content and something uh, that's just as dope to pull out a phone and be like, yo, I've been listening to this Nick Grant. Welcome to love. Blah, 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 blah. Bam, you're done. And the people that follows you get more from you. So I think that's the thing. And I think the other thing, man, is this metaverse thing. It's going to be huge. And I was on Is The Mice Gone. And, you know, as usual, yeah. when I bring ideas, I, I get shitted on or 
whatever. But I'm like, yo, I'm like, I'm seeing this stuff. I can see trends. This motherfucker, Travis Scott, just had a concert in fucking Fortnite. And there was a bunch of people there watching this concert and told my kids. And I was, I was like, man, imagine if that's the future. And I think that's going to happen. And that's where we are right now. And, and, you know, it's just like, fortunately, you know, we're, we're not behind on that. And yeah, there's a, it's still being developed. But I think it's going to be huge, man. I agree. I think that's where everybody going to be at. Player, what is it? Player number two, like that movie right there? Yeah, Ready um, Player One. Ready Player One. Um, I said I wasn't going to keep you long, so I will let you get out of here. But I do want to talk about Brian Flores. Mm. A lot of... Um, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, Dan Patrick, primarily on a daily basis. Um, first take, get up. And the question that I've seen asked, and I have an opinion on this, but I want to get what you say first. And these are white men asking this question, and I don't think that they're racist, not Dan Patrick or Greeny and those guys. But what they're saying is, well, what does Brian Flores want? <laughs> as if to say, as if to say, like, what are you doing this for messing with our good old NFL? We kind of knew this was happening, but why are you telling everybody? So I, I kind of wanted to know how you take that question as a, as a black man, as far as asking, well, what does he want? Why is he bringing this to the forefront? And also what you think about the situation in general, because we know it's been going on uh, for quite mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. Um, that question, what does he want? I think it's one to ask when you're not black and you don't understand it. So it's one I thing want to y'all talk to about know it. that this is happening for real. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and I think you're right. They already hyperbole. know that it's happening, yeah. and they just want to talk about it happening without any change. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that they will want to see more black people. They would, but I think now they've been put in a position where they don't understand uh, the whole case as a whole. Um, so yeah, so I think maybe I, yeah, I, I think. It was Is it a smart right move by person. him? Yeah. Somebody got to burn it all down. Um, yeah, so I don't think yeah. it's, a, it's a bad move. And I would love, I mean, we got Jim Caldwell. We got uh, David Culley. We got many examples of coaches not getting a shot. Eric B. Enemy. Mm-hmm. We can go down the list. Yep. That's why I like the class action lawsuit, because it allows everybody else to jump on board. We already know about the Colin Kaepernick thing, too. So I think this is an mm-hmm. addition to that. If all of the other coaches who have the guts to do it is the question. So mm. will you have the balls to join in something that you've been uh, a victim of? I don't know. We'll see. But I was thinking about this earlier. And I was like, well, what do they expect them to do? Mm-hmm. Right. But, and what can they make them do? The Rooney Rule turned into bullshit. Right. They still own the, the the team. They still can hire who they want. There's still a lot of white people that watch it. So if they win, settle, or whatever, what do we what do we want or what can they be forced to do? And I don't have an answer for that. And it's like, where do we go from here? Yeah, I I understand. As far as the the what they want them to do part of it from what I understand and just, I can't remember what I was listening to, but how they groom coaches is very interesting to me. Uh, as far as mm-hmm. you working in the film room and you start at this very low level 
and somebody brought up the point uh, as to where that is a byproduct indirectly of, of white supremacy because there's not a lot of black men that could take those positions and not be paid substantial money to take care of their family and then be groomed and, and go up the ladder as most mm-hmm. white coaches do and grow up in these systems. And I thought about that and I thought it was a good point, but I was like, well, 80% of the league is black. So these dudes mm-hmm. in the NFL for at least three years, they should have some sort of money where they can take a coaching job that pays them twenty, thirty thousand dollars and be able to be groomed through that system. So if it were to be fixed at all, I think it would have to be approached from an entry level and see like what could be done from an entry level to make players transition, not make, but given players option to transition from players to coaches, the ones that don't make it in the league past three, four years, give them some sort of program as to where there's a pool of players that you can choose from that used to play in the league. that can be groomed as coaches. You bring them in at entry level. You don't have to pay them a look because they were just in the league, but just having a bigger database of black people to choose from that know the game. How do you think that will work? I don't think it will make a difference <laughs> because I think there's still, there was, there still will be a ceiling. Um, you know, because it's it's uh it's this is America, right? What's that, Donald Glover? Um, it won't, yeah, it won't make a difference. I mean, look at Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> look yeah. at we, the, these motherfuckers are hiring people that have never coached or have been, you know, uh, uh, offense coordinator, like all kind of weird shit that's happening to uh, and hiring unqualified people and qualified people when they set up the system. Because remember, they used to say. Oh well, he's never been an offensive coordinator before. Then you become offensive coordinator, you still can't get a job. Oh, you don't call. So it ain't gonna do shit, right? Oh yeah, yeah. They 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 <laughs> just move you don't the goal call plays. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's all bullshit. <laughs> so I I think the only thing that can really change it is they just we got to get them out of there. And there has to be. I'm gonna bring this back full circle. There has to be that money that black people are spending. They need to figure out a way to invest in something like an NFL team. And, I, and, and that's going to sound crazy to a lot of people, but I'm not saying that we could pull our resources and do that. But I think just the idea of ownership just in general need to change. And how would that benefit Black people and, you know, the people coming behind you long-term? The Jay-Zs of the world and all these other people, these white people own these things. There need to be more minority ownership and maybe – you can start to see things change unless they sell out. That's a, and and that's that's a good idea. I, I love yep. the minority ownership or even something in direct competition. Like I feel like mm-hmm. if Vince McMahon, I feel like is a pretty smart dude, but if he can pull off putting a league together that I can get 16 high earning black people to create leagues across the country and come up with a spring football league and not saying mm-hmm. that it's going to give be the NFL, but it may at least light a fire under their ass and be like, man, it's a whole league full of brothers that got teams. The inter- It's entertaining. Black people yeah. are watching it. It ain't got to be an all-black league. Just black executive, black ownership will focus on black coaches and black front office. I think that that would scare the shit out of the NFL, too. Um, it, I mean, especially if it's it, entertainment-based or, like, you got Jay-Z and Puff and all of these people involved in it as owners. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see an example of that, Look at Dion and at Jackson State. Look exactly. at how pissed off they are because he went and decided <laughs> to coach the these people, recruit. and he sn- snatched the recruits left and left and right. 
And that showed that that says a lot. And you know, white people got pissed off. They started just talking shit about HBCUs in a very direct and indirect mm-hmm. way, in a very coded way. Yeah, that people weren't picking on you know um, about the facilities and all kind of bullshit. Uh, who was that doing it? Uh, Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb. Ooh. Doug Gottlieb always gave you some real hidden like down deep yeah. racism. He'll try to act like, yeah. oh, I'm cool, I'm cool, man. Like, nah. Doug nah, Gottlieb be the nah, first to run to it. Right, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not he's not he's not no, no, he's not he's not at all. I think that. Here. And 100 percent That's why you're good at what you do, bringing it back full circle with the money question. And I appreciate your time, Ken, jumping on my pod with me. I'm gonna do this a lot. I'm gonna invite you to talk about the topics that, that come through whenever you got time, man. I definitely appreciate it. Much success and happy 11 years to the dead end, guys. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Yeah, I, hey, man, that just just hit me up, man. I'm always down to Absolutely. talk, man. I think it gives me a chance to to uh, share the mic with, a, with about three or four less people. <laughs> <laughs> You're a brilliant brother. I'm always open to your opinion and stuff too. So I, I love getting you on, man. And um, be safe out there. Enjoy that no meat, man. I don't know if I ever try that. <laughs> All right, you too, bro. Yes, sir.